Today, I have the honor of bringing Kyle Wilson on the Investing for Freedom podcast. I met Kyle probably three or four years ago and just had the privilege and honor of being mentored by Kyle. I've been part of his um, inner circle mastermind groups and just at a lot of events that Kyle's been at. And he's just one of the best all around guys that you'll ever meet. The thing I really love about Kyle, you won't know it until you actually get into a conversation with him because he doesn't come out the gate trying to show you how much he knows or anything else, but he is one of the smartest, most experienced business guys, um, relationship people. He has so many um, just experiences that he can just share about for hours. And I just love being around this guy. If you talk to almost anyone today who's making a massive impact in the world, Jim Rohn probably had some sort of direct impact on their life. In fact, I don't even know if our guest knows this, but I can pinpoint a specific evening, a situation late in 2015 that caused me to ask a question about my life that was inspired by Jim Rohn that changed everything for Kara and I and our kids. Jim Rohn wouldn't have been able to make the reach that he did if it wasn't for Kyle Wilson. And we'll get into some of that today. The number of lives that have been impacted by Jim Rohn may never have been able to be quantified in this life, but Jim would not have had the reach that he did if it wasn't for Kyle Wilson. I'm so honored to have Kyle Wilson on the podcast today. Kyle, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. So I'm so honored today to have Kyle Wilson on our podcast today. Kyle is a mentor of mine. He's been a friend and he's just one of the most genuine people I've ever met. And like I said before, Jim would not have had the reach that he had without Kyle Wilson. And we'll talk a little bit later about some other people that have said that. And Kyle's just one of the best, most humble guys. He's just constantly trying to add value and just connect people. So Kyle, um, thank you for taking the time and being on the show. Hey, it's my pleasure and honor, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we get into all the amazing things that we're going to discuss today, I like to start off with um, four questions that just kind of set the tone for the show. Um, so we'll just get into it. Who's had the greatest impact on your life? Well, you know, probably Jim. You know, my dad would be in that same conversation. Uh, you know, my dad, incredibly hardworking, honest, uh, encouraging, uh, just amazing, amazing man. Uh, he died. I was promoting Jim for four years, but he died a month before I made Jim an offer to launch Jim Run International in 1993. And then, of course, Jim obviously um, you know, changed my life. He was my 18-year business partner, mentor, and friend. And uh, you know, there's a whole series of things that was new to me. I grew up in a small town, never went to college. I, I wasn't very good in school. I got in trouble, you know trouble with the law, you know, just not in trouble in school. And um, I, I, I was an entrepreneur, you know, as far as, you know, I'm wired that way. But uh, when I met Jim, just the principle-based philosophy he had literally impacted my life. Wow. it's amazing. If you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what do you think that would be? Well, it, it would be tempting to say influences by amazing people. You know, I, I talk about, uh, you're, you're familiar with the 52 lessons I have in each one of those, you know, I think of Mark Victor Hansen, uh, 
co-creator chicken soup for the soul, 600 million books. And I was working with Mark and promoting Mark and did chicken soup for the entrepreneur soul. And Mark told me one day, uh, chicken soup had just come out. They sold a million copies. And he said, we're going to sell a hundred million copies. And I'm like, you're crazy. That's, you know, my goodness, Mark, <clears throat> but Mark expanded my thinking. Hmm. Like I wouldn't be here talking to you if it was, wasn't for Mark. And, you know, Jim Rohn taught me that it's not about the gov government. It's not about the president. It's not about who your relatives are. It's not about the economy. I didn't really know that. I was really into politics. I was really into following uh, what's going to happen. And he's like, you know, the same stuff's going to happen, but two different people one will be successful and one won't because the things that have the greatest impact on your life, you get to control. That's your thoughts. That's your attitude. That's the book you, the books you read. It's all the decisions you get to make. And Jim also taught me that success is predictable, right? That's mm. like as simple as planting the seed in the ground and knowing that, you know, if you plant tomatoes and if you do all the right things, more than likely you're going to end up with tomatoes. And that's what success is, whether it's real estate, whether it's a seminar business. And so Jim gave me that faith to plant, to invest, to realize if I do the right thing in the right order, good things will happen. And, you know, Mike, oftentimes when I see people going for the get rich quick or the, the short scheme, part of it's just a lack of faith in that if you do the right things, good things will happen. Right. And so Jim, you know, really influenced me that Jim had so, so much influence, but you know, I could go on and on, but, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of incredible lessons. That's awesome. If you do the right things, good things will happen. This is going to be good. I'm so excited to have you on the show. <laughs> what was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? You know, I've had a few, obviously, um, but, you know, business setback, I had a couple that, you know, I, I would hit success and be, you know, definitely, uh, bumping my head against the ceiling of, you know, way beyond what I ever could imagine, you know, 20 employees and doing multi-millions of dollars and, but it happened pretty quick and lost that. I, I lost it a couple of times mm. and typically it was just things that I didn't have the business savvy and, uh, uh, it was both of them were in the nineties and, uh, it helped me become better. It helped me, you know, learn. And, you know, Vic Johnson spoke at my 2004 Jim Rohn three day event. He, you know, a big part of his topic was the things that have made him wealthy are the things he failed at the most. Mm. And I got to tell you, when I look at, uh, I don't really kind of want to go into some of what they were because it sure. involved, um, you know, partnerships and things that, uh, I don't think it would really benefit this interview, but the reality is it caused me to have to get, you know, question bad decisions, innovate areas that weren't working, uh, dig my heels in and get resolved in other areas. And then it helped me not be naive, right? I'm sure you see in the investing world, a lot of people that are naive. Mm -hmm. If you've been through 9-11, you have a different perspective than someone that doesn't. If you've been through 2008, you have a different perspective than someone that doesn't. Right. And so, you know, it, it made me better in a lot of ways, but part of it was the experience. And I hear some people say what you've done in the past doesn't matter. And I'm like, I 100% disagree. Yeah. Everything you've done in the past matters, right? It's all building blocks 
and wisdom and insights and opportunities. That is so good. What is the piece of advice you find yourself asking the most or sharing the most? You know, typically uh, it's people that want something a little quicker than uh, the laws of gravity are going to give it to them, right? And so I think it's, Jim Rome said the two uh, biggest challenges, the two biggest challenges to success are impatience and greed. And I think we're in this, marketplace of people selling the story and whoever can sell it the biggest, uh, most exaggerated version actually ends up with the sale. And so, you know, the best people I work with, Mike, and it's probably true for you, the best investors you work with are the people that have already tried the, the, the quick and fast way and failed and then come back and want the real way. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest piece of advice is to tell people I'm, I'm a very optimistic person. I really am to, to do some of the things I've done, took a big degree of thinking big and, you know, risk taking and faith. But I think uh, challenging some people's approaches when they're new in a game and they think they already have figured the game out. I think that's the biggest piece of advice I give people is to slow down, realize, again, it's going to take a little time. There's no, I mean, there's an exception to everything, but, you know, principles typically went out and if you're going to want a vineyard, it might take six years, right? There's no six weeks to have a vineyard and uh, exceptions, but that's typically the, the advice I'm giving people is to count the cost, to know, get really clear about what they want and then realize to build something of value is going to take time. I love that. This was actually a question that I had planned for you later, but you're talking about time and cultivating and, you know, planting. Um, I've watched you for a few years now, um, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but, you know, you had a big list before a list was a big list thing. Uh, And um, I just watched the way that you've nurtured your relationships over the years. And um, I really feel you're kind of a master at cultivating those relationships. And so on that note, you're talking about the time that it takes. Do you, do you approach you were kind of talking about business and, and that kind of stuff, but do you approach relationships the same way? Is it kind of, I, I would love to just get your thoughts on how you manage relationships. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, uh, I think I've always had my really tight circle of close people. And then uh, in business, you know, Jim again said, if you want to be successful, learn to bring value to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. If you want to be wealthy, learn to be valuable to valuable people. And part of what's just happened, not necessarily intentional, but I've always built platforms that attract great people. So as an event promoter, you know, you do events, you fill up a room, you get 2000 people, everyone's knocking at the door, wanting to be on stage. You go build a million plus list, or you become a publisher selling millions of books. Uh, You know, the invitations are constantly there to engage with people. So I think For me, it begins with bringing value. There's so many relationships I don't even want to be introduced. Like people say, hey, Kyle, I want to introduce you to this guy. And I'm like, honestly, I don't have the bandwidth Mm. to meet someone new that doesn't have a really good fit because Mm. I don't feel like I do a good enough job with the people I already have, right? That's good. So part of me relationships, uh, I don't want to say they're transactional, but there's only so much room you have, yeah. right? 
Do I have an inner circle of people? And then in my business world, again, not trying to say it's transactional, but I have different ways people can get involved in my world. Sure. And that's who I, I just give, you know, blood, sweat and tears to if I can. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm pretty good about insulating myself to say, no, I can't go solve stuff for people outside of that world. So I think for me, relationships, I, you know, I do say no a lot because, you know, there's only so much you can do, right? Yep. So that might not be the the answer a lot of people out like if someone says publicly, if anyone here needs anything, let me know, you know, here's my cell number. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're living in two different worlds, right? Yeah. It's probably their assistant that's going to be helping you with it. Right. <laughs> no. So I, I have to, you know, that, that did make me pause because again, having watched you and seeing how masterful you are at relationships, like, I think we just need to, I might have to rewind that and listen to that a couple of times because you know, you, you said it several times, you don't want it to sound transactional and it's actually the opposite. I've watched you again for three or four years now and you're the opposite of transactional. Um, you're very relational. And so, like you said, that might not be the, the golden ticket that everybody thinks that, that they're getting to hear, but that's how you, from, from what I'm hearing, that's how you've achieved the, the depth and the level of valuable relationships that you have. They're just awesome and they're real. Yeah. And I would say this, you know, when people reach out, Hey, Kyle, can you jump on a phone call? The answer is always going to be no, unless they're part of my world. Right. Uh, so when we've interacted, it's been part of manner circles or events, right? So when I'm in an event, I am totally available, right? That's why you're there. And that's one of the things, you know, we've always talked about, Hey, if you come to an event, as you know, that's when you get to connect with people. And so events, I'm there, my inner circles, I'm there. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, I kind of, I don't really do breakfast, lunch, dinner. I don't do phone calls unless people are a part of my world. Yeah. But I, that's why I have tons of resources on my website. And that's why I put out content. That's why I do my podcast is to put the stuff out. Mm-hmm. But one-on-one, Mike, it's tricky, right? Yeah. So, so uh, events are a great way to interact with people, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of events, um, we'll circle. I, I, I just want to get your two cents on events. I mean, you're a master at putting on events, organizing people, et cetera. So with, I know we're supposed to be evergreen, but you know, we're sitting here April 15th, 2020, and we've got all this stuff going on with COVID. What, what's your, what's your high level two cents on where events are going? Are we, I mean, I, I love being in in-person events, but are we coming back? Uh, never the same. I mean, what happens is there's a couple of different kinds of events, right? There's corporate events and those will always have a place. And, um, and again, I, I'm old enough. I was very involved when nine 11 happened, right? I was at the height of my seminar business. So I watched the speaking business never came back ever. There were people that were speaking a hundred times a year that went away and it never totally recovered 2008 definitely put the crush on it after that. Uh, so there's the corporate events that definitely trailed off and they used more virtual and they found out it's easier and cheaper and all that good stuff. Uh, but then on the public side, the big challenge is, and again, stuff 95% of the people aren't really aware of, and this is how I always looked at it, Mike, you know, it's like you doing your podcast and 
me doing my podcast. Well, same thing with the Ben. I feel like I'm putting on the party, right? And so you get Jim Rohn, you get Brian Tracy, you get Dennis Waitley, Kyle Wilson, Zig Ziglar. Yeah. Uh, more recently, you know, I had Darren Hardy and all these people and you pay a couple of hundred bucks to come and experience that. Now, again, there's tons of events that are pitch fest. Mm-hmm. That's not what, you know, those don't waste your time because right. those are just a bunch of infomercials. But, you know, to put on a true event, you know, a Brian Tracy three day where Brian for two days is giving you his event or Jim Rohn three day that two days is just Jim's all his stuff. And doesn't mean we're not selling things. But here's my point. You put on the party. You spend a lot of money. You charge a few hundred bucks. It really and your goal is to make money. Right. But there's a lot of risk. And then the hotel says you got to guarantee a thousand sleeping rooms mm. to even have the ball space, right? The ballroom space. And then you have the Hollywood film crew and you have, you know, you're, you're putting three, 400, 500,000 at mm. risk. And the force majeure, right? If something happens, might only have a 10 day window. And so the, I mean, if you're a, a concert promoter or you want, and you just lost millions of dollars, do you want to go, you know, put on a concert September 15th, right? You know, it's tricky. It is so tricky. So I think concerts, I think uh, public events will definitely, uh, there's going to have to be a lot of confidence restored over a period of time because do you want to go book, you know, something next March in New York? Probably not. You got to see if this comes back. And so, uh, and then when people start demanding refunds, I don't want to sound like that guy, but you know, you then get the response. You're like, okay, I don't really have to put on these parties anymore. Yeah. You know, that have as much of a public, again, I don't mean it to sound like it's no, not self-serving you. too, right? You yep. do an event for all the right reasons, but there is this other risk side mm-hmm. that most people aren't aware of. I, I bet you're not, uh, I, I bet you're <clears throat> glad that you're not doing today what you were doing, uh, 20 years ago, huh? Yeah, but I got, I've always gotten nervous. I've always, you know, okay. post 9 11, uh, if you're not counting down till the day that event's mm-hmm. over, you, you don't really understand what's at stake. Wow. Because again, you're having to guarantee, uh, and I know people right now in the middle of events where the hotel's not let on, letting them out of the contract. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're going to take a huge hit. And yeah. then people are demanding refunds, which is understandable, right? Um, and then he's got to ask the question, you know, do we really want to do this? So it's yeah. Public events, concerts in particular, I, I think will take a hit. Yeah. So I want to circle back to Jim Rohn here in a little bit. Um, because I think if there's anybody that has the inner track on, you know, one of the guys that has changed so many lives, it's you, but I was listening to your interview on your podcast with Darren Hardy and Darren Hardy he gave so much, um, and I know you're, you're not, Kyle, guys, for, Kyle's not the guy that likes to, you know, um, take the kudos, but Darren Hardy was saying on your podcast the other day, he just had so many amazing things to say about you. And the one thing, one of the things that stuck out, there was a lot of them, but he made a comment, and this was not Kyle's words, this was Darren's words, but, you know, Jim was a powerful orator, orator, or how do you, how do you say that? <laughs> um, you got it. Cool. But 
that Kyle Wilson was basically the man behind the business and that if it hadn't been for you, Jim would not have gotten where, where he got to. And so many of our lives would not be impacted. Um, how does that make you feel Kyle? Like I, again, I've known you for a while and, um, I know you don't like being in the limelight, but when Darren says that you're like, you're the business mind behind Jim Rohn international. Well, Mike, do you want the real answer or yeah. do you want the politically? Yeah. No, I, I mean, want the real it, answer. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of understood, right? So I'm interviewing Les Brown tomorrow. I just mm -hmm. had Brian Tracy, Dennis Waitley, and I was the agent for a bunch of those guys too. And I would book them and they all knew that. So it was kind of just, uh, uh, inside the circle, we all kind of knew that Jim is the best speaker in the world and I'm the, the marketer, right? And so, no, I, I appreciate it, Darren, saying it. I really did. And Darren was talking about how, you know, the relationship he and I had, right? And that meant a lot to me as well. But with Jim, uh, the one thing I took exception to what Darren said, Darren said, Jim wasn't the business guy he presented himself to be. Well, Jim did not do that. That mm -hmm. was that was unfortunately the people before me and myself as well, that we promoted him as this business guy. Okay. But I really tried to shift it to wordsmith, philosopher, orator. So I took him from the business guy more to philosopher, which is authentically who he was and how he presented himself. And yeah, we had the clear definitions. Uh, he lived in California. I ran the company in Dallas. You know, he didn't, you know, I had 20 employees and I, it was my company mm -hmm. actually. And I would pay him the royalties. So it was, I was the business. He was the world's greatest speaker and it was a beautiful marriage. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it kind of played out that way. Cause I wanted to say I, you're, <laughs> you're brilliant when it comes to business and marketing and some of the concepts that you've taught me over the years. Um, so if you don't mind, let's get into the wheel. Um, okay. let's talk about the concept of the wheel. Cause I think this is going to be, if people get a hold of this, I think this could change people's lives immensely. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 1993, uh, Jim's partner owed him 400,000 plus I'm a seminar promoter. I'm hiring Jim, hiring Brian Tracy, Ogmandino to speak at my events. And he said, Hey, you know, we broke up. So just, you know, pay me for this next event. And I'll take it off the tab of the guy that owes 400,000. I said, Jim, we all definitely done. He goes, yes. And I said, listen, I'd love to, uh, work with you and have an exclusive to promote you and create products. And, um, he said, yes. So we did a handshake handshake lasted, you know, for 18 years, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and by the way, you got to have more than handshake for anyone listening, but for <laughs> he and I, so Jim was, you know, coming off two bad business partnerships. So a handshake was actually appropriate at the time. And like, you know, it's like anything. It's not what the letter is. It's what, you know, it's bringing value. Everything gets down to value based. And he brought massive value. I brought massive value, but I'm sitting there and, you know, Jim did not have a list. So I'm about to try and book him and I want to go market him. And I don't have anything. I don't have a list. I don't have anything. So I drew a circle on a sheet of paper and I started drawing little spokes like a wheel you know, I put a hub in the middle and each spoke was a product or service Jim had. He had a one day, a two day, 
uh, a book and an audio series. And I realized, hey, if you can get someone to the one day, there's a good chance they'll go the two day. If you can get his book and you fall in love with him, can you get him to a seminar? Well, the publisher of that book didn't have any of his contact info in there, right? And so I'm just start trying to connect the dots. And then so I'm sitting there going, you get people on the wheel, you take them around. Well, who are these people, right? Because there's no list. Yeah. And uh, I knew if I booked them for events, we could start getting people on the wheel. And so that became my big question is how do you get people on the wheel and then take them around? And people say, oh, that's a funnel. It's not a funnel. I understand funnels and I have some, but the wheel is not a A to Z. It's not get you here to get you here. It's to get you here to build a relationship with you. And at some point in time, you might be interested in this spoke and don't care about the other spokes. Mm-hmm. Or you, be, you know, it might be four years later, you say, hey, I do want to come to a two day. And we're just bringing value. But my only job ever was to get people on the wheel. And I would, you know, my good friend, Ron White would be on Martha Stewart. And I'd go, wow, how many you know people got on the wheel? And he goes, ah, forget that. You know, people, it's like it didn't hit, it didn't register that the number one job was to get people on the wheel. So 1999, the internet comes around and I'm focused on not selling. I'm a, a focused on getting people on the wheel. And then building a relationship and talking to them. And then you never know what day, at what moment, they get the email that has the right subject that they actually read it and they go, oh, wow, right? And and I just, having spoken for thousands of companies selling seminar tickets, I kind of got to understand how people think, the rhythm. And so the big question for me came, okay, Jim's got four spokes. How do, you know, what's this next thing? Where should I give myself to that will get more people on the wheel and take them around? And it came, came up with two things. One is I got a packet schedule. And so that first year I took him from 20 speaking dates where he was charging 4,000 a date to 110 dates at 10,000 a date and eventually 25,000. So 1993, huge bump, right? 20 dates to 110. So, but with a clear point that we got to get people onto the list, Mm -hmm. right? And this is pre-email. So this is, you know, addresses. And then second thing is I need a tool. The thing that made Jim unique. And when I talk about the wheel, since you asked, there's four keys to the spokes on your wheel. Number one is you want something that's going to be very strategic. You want something that will knock down all the dominoes, right? Uh, Number two, you want it to be part of your core business. You know, when people say, I got this great idea, you know, and it has nothing to do with their core business. I really challenge them. You know, that's, you know, you want something that's going to drive everything else. Uh, number three, you want it to be the right avatar. Like you can create a lot of products. I could have created a Jim Rohn calendar, but that's not going to accomplish much for me. Mm-hmm. It was on our list, but it went in the top 50, right? And I never, I created over 300 intellectual properties between Jim and Brian Tracy and Dennis Waitley and Ron White but never did the calendar because it didn't check off the box of the avatar and what I'm trying to accomplish. And then number four, this is a big one. It's got to be part of your secret sauce. It has to be what makes you special, what makes you unique. And for Jim, it was, he was a wordsmith. He could take the complex and make it simple and say it better than anyone else. And people loved him and he could do it with humor too. And the other thing is his advocates did love him. So I came up with this idea as a little bit of a God download 
have one. It was, I created a little quote book in 1993. So there's no Google and Jim didn't have a list of quotes. Uh, but I came up with over 365 quotes by Jim and I put them in a hardbound book. And then I, uh, created a little mini book. And so I sold both, but this had a to and a from, and it had a phenomenal quote by Jim that had a place to write a handwritten note. And then it had a place to buy in multiples and give them away. And it had my catalog in the back. And I did multiple different uh, topics. And I ended up doing them for Brian Tracy. I did them for Zig Ziglar and Mark Victor Hansen and Dennis Waitley. All combined, those sold $2 million combined, but Jim sold $6 million because, again, it was his secret sauce. And his avatar was, or, or his advocates would go give them away. So I had to design it, Mike, where for me, it wasn't about making money, although I did. I'd print them for 30 or 40 cents and sell them for a dollar. But the key was you had to buy 10 because I, and then I taught you how to give them away. And then people could buy a hundred, they could buy a thousand. I sold a hundred thousand. I sold 30,000 to a bank, you know, and uh, our phone would ring and would say, how'd you get our number? And 70% of the people said, someone gave me a quote book because that's the other thing. Um, No one's going to say, Hey, take this, Mike. They're going to say, you ever heard of this guy, Jim Rohn, this yeah. guy changed my life. And they're going to turn it and read a quote, learn to be happy with what you have while you pursue all that you want. And then they're going to go to the back and say seasons of life. I bought 50 of those at Christmas. This is amazing. And I priced it in such a way, instead of selling it for $5, I sold them for a dollar. If you bought 10. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, that thing really turned, you know, this, this was worth eight figures to me, obviously, you know, easily. Right. And then I created other viral tools like this too, but the whole purpose was to get people on the wheel to take them around. So the best spoke is a spoke that's actually a combination of a product or service. Each spoke is a product or service or it's customer acquisition. And if you can create something that's both, and that's part of what an event is, you know, someone buys a ticket to an event, they now, you know, it's a product, but it's also a way to get more people on the wheel. That's so good. So, and so I've used books that way, you know, so most people were selling books to make money on a book, but I can't, I could start naming people. You would know who they are from the inner circle that found me or found Jim Rohn through the 12 pillars book, because I would sell a hundred at a time for $3. They're $12 each, but if you bought 10, they were nine. But if you bought a hundred, they were three and story after story, Freddie Perez, Kim Summers, multiple people, someone gave them a book hmm. with a commercial. So I use books the same way. Uh, how do, but it's gotta be good. That's the other key. If you create something that's not very good, it's not going to work. It's not, beca- it's not going to become the viral tool yeah. that it needs to be. You, you're so intuitive. Like you answered the question already that I was going to ask, like, what's the new giveaway, but you're doing it with books. What, what can other, is there, is there other tools that other people can think about if they're not, I mean, writing books right now? Well, I mean, it's, you can do it with articles. You can, I mean, I, when I started an email list, you know, I remember when I had no email list and uh, I told Jim, I said, if I, this is 1999, I said, if I can hit 50,000, I can fill up a room. And within two years, I had 50,000 list. And, you know, within six, I had a million plus list, but I had multiple publications. Uh, but I would do it with articles. You can do it with a ton of things. You can do it with YouTube videos. It's 
the, the word viral we think is related to videos and YouTube. I call this a viral tool back yeah. in 94. Right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so there's all kind. you just gotta, it's gotta be, it's gotta be part of your secret sauce mm -hmm. and it has to be really good. And it depends who you're trying to attract. Uh, for example, um, if you have a complex, you know, if you have a, a, a if your book is about retiring, uh, you know, or I have a, a guy I work with that has something for widows, right? Mm -hmm. The the widow's guide to financial independence. That's not going to work as a viral tool to go mm -hmm. give to coaches, to give to kids at school. Right. Yeah. So you have to know what your avatar is, what the goal is, what's going to perpetuate that. I just had a call with someone you've already named on the, our interview that has, he did, over 20 million last year in net business. And we're talking about his tool and that tool. Again, there's so many questions. They thought they had already nailed it. And we had talked an hour about intricacies they'd never even thought about, but it really gets down to what behavior are you trying to drive? Who are you trying to reach? Why would I buy 10 to go give them away? Who is that? In my world, I targeted network marketing, insurance, real estate, you know, coaches, small business owners, because that was the target I had. Um, so you just got to figure out who, who, you know, that avatar is for you. So many times you've talked to me since I met you about just pricing and you just said this, I mean, you sold that original book for a dollar instead of five. Right. Um, I've, I've been in your inner circle. I've, I've, I've seen some of the, the, the things that you do and you could easily charge 50 grand for your inner circle, but you've <laughs> right. got this philosophy, just like you could easily charge $5 for that book. Can we right. dig on that a little bit more? What, I mean, number one, you're selective on who gets in your inner circle, right? Right. But also it's not about, it's not about money with you. Let I want to, well, I want to dig on that a little bit. Well, there's some variables, right? You gotta, you gotta think it through and, uh, what drives my inner circle price? Now it keeps going up. Sure. But whatever someone comes in, they're grandfathered at that price, right? So the original founding members got one price. The new members, it's a different price. But they're grandfathered at whatever they come up. But here's my thought. Uh, Bob Crockett, amazing guy, 300 employees. Didn't make an inner circle for 14 months because he bought a new company. He was maxed. Carl Jahari, a chiropractor who coaches 350 other chiropractors who Grant Cardone gets on his own airplane to fly to Dallas to get, you know, stem cell shots. Carl is incredible. Carl makes about one event a year. And, but Tom Burns raised over $400 million, you know, read the first rich dad, poor dad book, you know, plays guitars with Gary Keller, of, you know, founder of Keller Williams. Tom, Tom makes several events, but the point is I don't want, you know, it's more important to me to build a community so if I'm charging 25,000 and they're only making one event out of 14 months, I don't know that I would renew, right? It yeah. doesn't even become about money. It becomes about common sense. Sure. So I'm not building it to attract, a, I, I spoke at an inner circle that for someone else that charged 25 grand and I'd say less than 10% of the people I'd even want in mind, mm. right? So good. So the price is not an indicator of value. 
if someone think, you know, people will leverage their house. If they think they can spend a dollar and make three, that's not what I'm doing with my inner circle. My inner circle is a community of amazing people. We've been doing these two calls a week, you know, and you got Colonel Tim Cole ran a presidential inauguration. Uh, you know, you know, Gary Pinkerton, 32 year commander of a summer nuclear submarine that was part of the joint chiefs of staff. You know, we, we've had these, you know, Mike Muni founder back and you get those kind of people. And it's like, I, I just want to build a community for those people. And Tim Cole doesn't need to be part of a marketing inner circle. So if I build an inner circle, the three people I just mentioned, and it was 25 K, they wouldn't be part of it. Mm -hmm. I feel honored that they're part of my group and they do pay me to be part of it, but they're not coming because they need it so badly. Yep. You know, I've created this community of just phenomenal people and you could price yourself out of it if you don't really understand what you're trying to build. You know, it's interesting. I've met, I, literally, I can tell you three people, but maybe more in the last like two months that I've connected with elsewhere. And then the dots come back to Kyle Wilson inner circle. <laughs> um, I literally got, I, I was, I was a, I was on your inner circle call two weeks ago yep. and a guy that I met through two other groups, he, he sent me this random email and he was like, Hey, I want to invite you as a guest to Kyle Wilson's inner circle. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> I'm coming. Like, um, yeah. So it's, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. I mean, your tentacles and your, um, I mean, they go deep, your reach runs deep and you've influenced so many people. And if you were charging 50 or a hundred grand, um, I, you wouldn't be able to influence that many people either. Well, I, I would also have Darren and I talked about this, right? Cause Darren had a hundred, hundred thousand dollar inner circle. And he's like, it just wasn't worth it to him. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, he didn't sleep all at night. He's like, if, if I can't turn that into a million for them, I don't want to do it. Now his was again, more of a focus towards deliverability. Mine's a focus towards creating a community of amazing people. Mm -hmm. Here's what I get told a lot. Uh, I get told I would have never met, you know, fill in the blank yeah. if it wasn't for Kyle, you know, I wouldn't have met Darren Hardy or Brian Tracy at an event or whoever it is, Seth, Seth Mosley or Tim Cole. It, it, it's like, that's how they met whoever they met, Mark Victor Hansen or Phil Collin, a Def Leppard. And so I've kind of thought about that. I do the inner circle for myself first. Like I look forward to every one of them. And, uh, and it's just a very eclectic group. You know, Jeanette Ortega has been leading our meditation, yeah. you know, and she's got her own amazing story. And it's just a very eclectic group. I talked to someone today uh, and they're like, you know, I was talking to someone at inner circle and they told me everyone's in the top 2%. And I just, I'm not, and I'm like, yeah. And that's not true. It's like, we have someone that owns a hair salon. We have it. It's really about a community mm -hmm. and there there's a guy that's got a quarter of a billion dollar company that reached out to me last week about becoming a part. And I'm like, he wouldn't be a good fit. He really would not be a good fit. Like he would come in wanting to be the guy. And I don't think anyone shows up wanting to be the guy. And mm -hmm. I try and not show up that way. I'm trying to it kind of really is my promoter love of talent and facilitating uh, all the talent in the room, yeah. right? You're a master at that, like shining the light on other people's gifts. You're so good at pulling that out. Another little funny side story. So I just, I, I just literally launched this podcast last week and I'm in a mastermind group and the guy teaches how to, you know, it, it's an online marketing mastermind is really what it is. And 
So he gave me this podcast launch formula that I've been working on for three months. And one of the other guys in the group whose wife has a very successful podcast was like, hey, why don't I line you up with some influencers? They'll help you promote the show. And I'm like, great. And he comes back and the first person was, um, he's like, so I got you set up with Erica De La Cruz. <laughs> and I, it's so funny because, you know, when I first joined your inner circle mastermind, Erica was part of it. And so it's just such right. a small world and you have done such an amazing thing. Um, just that connector thing that you're talking about, the promoter, um, you've connected yeah. so many people. So I appreciate you for that. No, um, thank you. So I was thinking about this the other day. Um, if I got, I, I was actually having this conversation with Kara. If I had to get put, if I had to get dropped into any city and somebody told me you got to get dropped there, you can pick one other person besides my wife, obviously, and we're going to put you there with $5 to your name and you've got a week to go make 10 relationships and you can pick one other person. I'm like, I would pick Kyle Wilson. <laughs> I would take Kyle <laughs> well, Wilson you. with me because I think that I could go into any city in the country and, and possibly the world and Kyle could help me get myself out of that city with his connections. So um, just hats off to you. You've done such an amazing job of just connecting people and building deep relationships. So this might be another one of those political answer questions. Um, okay. How do you keep track of, do you have to keep track of your relationships? Do you have like some kind of CRM or is this just you built such good relationships that you just, I know you're kind of an intuitive, you, you say the word kismet all the time, like a lot of kismet things happening in life. And so do you just kind of be led on when you should reach out to somebody or do you have a CRM, a contact management type thing that you keep track of people? Uh, as far as the CRM to follow up at certain times, no. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I think, again, Mike, I, you know, when you're a promoter, you're filling up rooms, you build lists, you have people coming to you. And I think if you do things the right way, you know, I call it fishing versus hunting. People will come to you. Like I don't chase people like at all, you know, for the most part. And so, and, and I try and be responsive, you know, when people do reach out and if someone reaches out four times a day, I quit being responsive. <laughs> right. So, you know, you want, you want people that it's like any relationship. You want to find what works. I don't want to abuse them and I don't want to be abused. So it's just common sense. Like you say, now, as far as prospecting goes for marketing, I'm the fi I fish versus hunt. And that's what I left out of talking about the, the wheel, mm. you know, the wheel is get people on a list and then talk to the list and bring value. And then those that want to say yes. And then that's where you create systems. You know, I talked to a guy, I won't say his name. Who's like, Kyle, if I had you know, and I sold my list, right? I sold all my companies, 2007, retired for multiple years, got paid really well. Everything's cool. But when I started over, I had nothing. I had no list. I didn't have the 300 intellectual properties. People still don't hear that. Oh, you don't have a million plus. No, I don't. I started over and I don't have the 5 million people on Facebook. You know, I, with Jim Rohn, I sold all that, right? Mm -hmm. So when I started over, uh, I've built a pretty good list again, right? By just bringing massive value. And I was telling this gentleman, I, you know, everything is systematized because if, so, if you send something out, you're offering something, they can go partake of it. If they want more, you have a way to, you have systems to create that, right? Yeah. Give people a few little things to do. And if they do it, then okay. And they qualify. And I, I, everything, I only offer three things and all three have an application, right? And so first of all, can people follow directions and go fill out an application? 
And based on that, then we set up a call and then we go from there. And so I ask people to jump through some hoops and, you know, I'll have people reach out and say, Kyle, can you jump on a call? And I'll send them somewhere, right? And see if they want to do that. And if they get offended by that, then they're going to get offended eventually. So I don't mind putting some hoops up for people to, and again, I'm, I I love it. There's exceptions. I'm not saying I would do that with Les Brown or someone, right? Or Darren Hardy. We have friends. Let's book the call. But if it's someone on Instagram, you know, I say, hey, go get my free 52 lessons or go check out this podcast. And if you're really interested, you know, like I'm not trying to sell. I'm just giving them things to go do, right? Yep. But if they're going to ask me endless questions, like that's on my blog. I have over a hundred blog posts. Go, yep. go get that, well, right? It sounds counterintuitive, but that's actually the secret that I'm like looking for because I've, I've watched you and you've got just this, again, your relationships run deep and I've never met somebody that doesn't love you, that has a relationship with you. And that's, that's the success clue right there. You can't be in authentic, deep, genuine relationships with everyone. It's like what you said earlier. (laughs) And and it really is built on bringing value. Like, again, I, the constantly trying to figure out how I can create a platform to bring value. Mm, Right. Uh, I, the, the thing I try and do the least of is one-on-one. So I try and create platforms. So for the inner circle, you know, having Mark Victor Hansen come or having different people come, uh, the books, you know, creating a big platform where we have celebrity authorities. And again, when you ask people, uh, I, I can't remember where I heard the quote, but it was really good. They said that I think it was Vic Johnson, actually, at the Brian Tracy three day event that you were at, uh, you know, Vic said the only thing that uh, celebrity, the, the best way to get celebrities is create something that celebrities can get in front of more people. Right. And so, again, it all gets down to value. I'm not a big believer in networking. I don't really network. I try and create platforms that bring value. And if I repel someone great. If they repel me, great. We just saved ourselves a lot of time. And that's, you know, not, not everyone's meant for each other. Right. But you want to find the people that like you and that you like them. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes, uh, is by Zig. He said, never do a good deal with a bad guy. Mm. So, you know, we're, you know, for me, I'm looking for high quality people that I can trust and, you know, again, if they're going to get offended early, they're going to get offended later. So just, you know, find, just be yourself, right? Massive, massive value. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Time saver, right? Oh, it's so good. I love it. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have many conversations with you and I'm just like sitting here, I'm, I'm getting deeper. I love it. Well, let me give you an example. You know, we, uh, I would spend two hours a day with a team answering questions uh that we would get for Jim Rohn mm. literally you it could have been a full-time job right and people would ask can Jim come speak at my sixth grade son's graduation and some people would get offended when we would say no <laughs> okay you just got to be okay with offending people if yeah. you say no Jim Rohn can't come to Oregon to speak at your you know, and so eventually you realize uh, people 
don't always understand it. And then you find someone else that totally gets it. You know, you'd have people show up at events and volunteer and help and really understand. And you're like, okay, that's a winner. That's someone that, you know, and, and that's how you really kind of would build relationships is just seeing how people respond to things. You know, who's going to get offended? Who's not, who really wants to not just come in and suck the life out of you. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a great, a great story I heard was, um, I think it was Tom Burns. He was having dinner with Robert Kiyosaki or lunch and someone came up and like big fans. Right. And so Robert talked to him for like 10 minutes was really nice and friendly. And then they just kept going. Mm. And then they say, Hey, Robert, and they were asking for advice. And Tom said, you know, he wrote a book It's called rich dad, poor dad, <laughs> go spend $10, get the book. Mm. Right. And that's such a great example, right? Yeah. It's like some people want to just, just cut to the chase and that's not always possible. And there's exceptions, but that's where you just got to create filters and systems. Yep. That's interesting. I love it. So you got a lot of things that you're working on now. I mean, you, you just provided so much value. Um, you've got mastermind, you've got books. I know kylewilson.com. What's, what's some of the things you're working on right now? Yeah. You know, I, I keep it simple. You know, uh, you've listened to the Darren Hardy podcast. He said, you know, he has three jobs for him. It's create content, deliver content and choices or marketing, but as a company, their mantra is grow faster, easier. Mm. And the third key to that is choices. And most people are doing too many things. Mm. And so I keep my stuff pretty simple. I do my masterminds, which keep me really busy, believe it or not, because there's a lot of interaction going on. Uh, I do some one-on-one coaching, which is the thing I try and keep to a minimum. And I do these book projects and we're in the middle one right now called success habits of super achievers. And I have Brian Tracy and uh, Dennis Waitley and Darren Hardy and Mark Victor Hansen, kind of a who's who of people in it. And we have about 80 entrepreneurs in it as well. And that's, that's a nine month project, you know, all in. So putting a lot of time into that and, um, you know, just as you know, marketing and podcast and answering emails. And I had multiple events. I had five events booked when this whole thing happened Mm. uh, with the virus. So, you know, navigating that part, you know, as well. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's the main things, Mike. How can people find some of your resources? Is it just on your website or? Yeah. The, the thing I always encourage people to do is get my 52 lessons. I learned from Jim Rohn and other legends. It's free. It's a weekly email. And I got uh, stories and lessons from collaborations with John Maxwell, Les Brown, Brian Tracy, Dennis Waitley, uh, Darren Hardy, the list goes on and on. And I have a bunch of free things on there. You mentioned Erica Dela Cruz. We have the Passionista book that you can download, got multiple books you can download, got the podcast as well, uh, and blogs and yeah. Any you know details about the mastermind and uh, book projects and so forth. Awesome. Well, I was, like I said, I was on your inner circle call the other day and a big part of what you guys were talking about on there right now, especially with everything going on is just keeping our minds healthy, our spirit healthy. Um, anything you right. can just share with the listeners right now about what you're doing or just, advice about the times that we're in? Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, definitely the morning time, right. Taking a couple hours, everyone's different, you know, whether it's five minutes, 
30 minutes, an hour. I take a couple of hours where, you know, I just try and have my morning ritual of journaling and prayer. And, you know, it, it's different. I can't help it. I'm not a regimented guy, uh, but it's a little different every day, but uh, meditation for sure, stretching and, you know, just asking questions. And so I think that's one thing. The other thing is, cause I have had a lot of people telling me they're struggling with depression, they're down and I've been jumping on calls with people. And I think it's important to stay connected. You got to be vulnerable. <clears throat> it's this healthy tension between having people you talk to and not 100% depending on other people without doing the work. Mm -hmm. So it's this combination that you got to do the work. And then you also need to have connection with people. And so I definitely have a, a go-to group of people. You know, it's not just one. But I, you know, it's Colonel Tim Cole's my go-to on certain things. And, you know, uh, uh, Sophia, who's part of my group's a go-to on another set of things. So I, I think you need connections. And, but you got to do the work as well, whatever that looks like for you. Um, at, you know, and one of the calls we just talked about I don't know. I, I don't, as bad as this is, I mean, there were, there's a world war one and a world war two and people, a big part of the country left and there was no cell phones and no communication. And, you know, you mail a letter and you hope you get one back in four weeks. And mm -hmm. that would have been difficult. And the great depression really was the great depression. It was, it was bad. Right. Yeah. And so, I get the struggle, but me personally, uh, you know, I've not, I've not been in a fearful, worried state and, um, you know, just staying connected and trying to serve, right. Trying to be available. Um, yeah, I've, I've said that a lot. I, th I think the secret to living is giving. And I've seen that in you so many times, you know, you're just out there adding value and, and I'm seeing that a lot right now too. The people that are uh, you know, the people that are just sharing and showing up and um, just adding value. I mean, we all have things going on. We're all, we're all struggling. We all have challenges, but that was such an amazing point that you just brought up. I mean, I, I think some of those times in history are just that they're just history to us. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, in, in two years, three years, four years from now, we're going to be looking back at this and we're either going to be better because of it, or we're going to be worse because of it. And right. Uh, I appreciate you showing up as a leader to your community and everybody around you. So we'll link uh, your website and just all the stuff to you in the show notes. And one of my favorite books, you guys have written a lot with other entrepreneurs and just people that you've assembled, but I like um, one of my favorites is desire, discipline, and de determination. Yeah. So for the first 10 people that email me, just put Kyle Wilson in the subject line. I'm going to send them um, 10 books. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, yeah. Anything we can do to, you know, support you and, and get you out there. You're just amazing. And I want to thank you for saying yes to me. Um, sure. And I don't take it lightly. Um, I know how busy you are and I know how you protect your schedule. And um, so I'm, I'm just honored that you showed up and that you're speaking to our community. So appreciate you. Well, well Mike, you know, I'm a big fan of you and Kara and uh, also, you know, obviously Andrew as well with the four peaks and, uh, really value your friendship and value what you've accomplished as an entrepreneur. I mean, you have an amazing, amazing, amazing story. I hope you share that with your audience, what you've accomplished and the financial independence and uh, the lifestyle you leave and the, the things you do with your family. And so you're the epitome of, 
of uh, success, truly, and definitely givers. And what you did at a young age is, is amazing and impressive. So I'm honored to be on the podcast. I'm honored to be your friend. I feel the same, and I really appreciate your, our, our time together. So thank you, Kyle. Hey, thanks, my friend. All right. Have a good day. You too. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.